Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Welcome to Netflix and Swill, your source for uh, BDSM aftercare tips. I'm Caleb. And I'm here to revisit the world of Talon 4. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, all the all the trade publications are talking about it. Uh, Metroid Prime famously re-released for Switch. If you don't know what that is, I'm here to let you know. It's a, it's a good-ass game. That's like 20 years old and you shoot the aliens in space. Yes. Uh, if you're unaware, uh, there's a fucking uh, game genre called the Metroidvania, which is essentially a 2D action side scroller. Yeah. Well, um, it's like Metroidvania. Obviously, it's a portmanteau of Metroid and Castlevania. It's like an adventure game where you start off with like basic skills and have to like hunt through a huge map and like slowly incrementally like increase your power and gain new abilities and stuff uh made famous by the games metroid in castlevania yeah and your power-ups slowly allow you to explore more and more of the map uh including areas you've already thought you've explored but it turns out you really haven't because they had areas that were hidden or could not be accessed yet yeah so like halfway through the game like you'll get you'll gain the ability to duck and it's like, oh, now I can walk through this narrow path. Yep. Because before I was too tall. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, the Nintendo Direct happened on uh, I think it was Thursday. Or no, it was Wednesday. It was Wednesday because I played the game at work on, on Thursday and uh they they announce it and I fucking just start screaming in my house because I had feared it. It was never coming that we were never going to get a remastered version of Metroid Prime. And I was just so excited. I I haven't played it yet. Um, I've thought about it a lot. I just, you know, I've been doing other things. Haven't haven't sat down to like purchase and play the game. But uh, uh I don't know. It's weird because like. It's $40. Like you said, it's it's on the Switch. Um, like a few years back on. Like there was a Metroid Prime collection on the Wii that was like, you know. All all three at that time, Metroid Prime games uh, bundled together for $60. Then that exact game was later released on the Wii U for $20. Uh, and now this is just the first game of the three uh, for $40, but it is like a proper HD, like remaster of the game. Yep. And like they rebuilt some things, but like it's kind of weird that it's not all three games. And that it's more money than buying all three games, but like also. It's it's some glimmer of hope for the franchise because like Metroid famously a a series that like 
releases far too infrequently because the games are like extremely complex and take a lot of development time. And then like they'll realize when they're 80% of the way through making a game, like that ain't it chief and then scrap it and start over. Which they've done like six or seven times throughout the series history. Yeah, so recently, like, I think within the show's run, we've had Samus Returns on the 3DS, mm-hmm. we had Metroid Dread, mm-hmm. and then we have this. Yeah. We had the announcement for Metroid Prime 4 and then four years of radio silence. We got we got a black screen with a four on it, and everybody fucking lost their minds because there's like, oh my god, Metroid Prime 4 is coming in like a month. And then they never... They refused to elaborate further and then left. That's fine. I think currently the remasters are going to be building the hype cycle. So I'm uh, my guess is every six months we're going to get a new remaster of a Metroid game. Yeah, I I would say like even possibly tighter than that. Like they have the engine now. Like presumably this is the engine that they're building Metroid Prime 4 in. So, like, they could release one each month and then just fucking be like, hey, here's the date it's coming out. You had a chance to play through the first three. Now, here it is. Um, Also, like, another thing. uh, Welcome to video games and swill. Um, Another thing that's interesting about it is that they fucking shadow dropped it onto their store. Which, like. You know, they made the announcement that it exists and they were like, and you can immediately go and purchase and play it, which built up a lot of fucking hype all at once. But it's weird because like Nintendo doesn't do shit like that. Like everything's meticulously crafted and planned and. And uh, yeah. Well, because normally when you get those games, it's like, and you can play it now. Uh, those games are typically dog shit. And really what they're trying to do is build hype around a suboptimal game that no one really wants to play in the first place. Mm-hmm. It's just the novelty of go watch it now. It's like Cloverfield Paradox. Uh, admittedly, we're recording this on the Super Bowl or the big game if we don't want to get sued. Cloverfield Paradox trailer dropped the same like during the Super Bowl. And then everyone was so excited to go watch it after the Super Bowl. And then it turns out it was fucking dog shit. And you were just left with like, cool marketing, dog shit perform, like dog shit movie. Hated it. <laughs> oh, shit. The Super Bowl's happening now, huh? Mm hmm. Rihanna's going to be on soon. Yeah. I'm sure she'll be fine. Good for her. So yeah, uh, I'm I'm slowly playing through that. I also realized that I didn't get very far in the game. I owned it on GameCube. I did not get extremely far in it. So hey, whatever. Uh, I just got the wave beam. No, I got the thermal visor. I just got the thermal visor, which in a, in a spot that I've never fucking seen before. So I was just like, cool. Uh, I'm better than I was when I was a kid at playing video games. Hooray! <laughs> I don't know. Um. I'm going to have to replay it that I don't know. I experienced that game at a, a point in my life and like have so many like fond memories of it that like, that's one of the, the things that I would say like that game specifically is like a magical experience. Cause it just yeah. like whisks me away to a point in time. But like, 
I don't know. There's so many cool, like little details and shit about that game. Like you said, the thermal visor, it lets you like track enemies by their heat signature and see like hidden things. Um, but like one of the things with the heat visor, it's like there's an area that is like a lava area. So like if you put the heat visor on in that area at all, like it just <laughs> blinds you. <laughs> it's like they didn't have to do that, but it's cool that they did. And like cool. other stuff, like with just the main. You know, because it's a first person game, but you're like uh, a space warrior in a power suit. So like. In the first area, like the and th- like it came out, what, like 2002, I that think this is like four. F- somewhere around there was the first Metroid Prime. But like the first area you're in, it, like this is the first like doesn't first person game Nintendo had ever done ever. Uh, but like in the starting area, it's raining and like you'll look up and you'll see like rain beating off your visor and then like. You know, if you get hit by like an energy attack or something that like makes a flash of light, you can see your character's eyes reflected in the inside of your helmet and stuff like cool little details and shit like that, that like, you know, fucking games on the Xbox didn't pick up on until like years later. Yeah. Yeah. uh, The other cool thing that I've noticed as I'm playing this is that if you're really close to a missile explosion, like if you're shooting open one of the missile doors, Samus's face will actually reflect in the visor. Yeah, that's what I was just saying, like a, a blast of light and energy. Yeah. Like. It's super cool. And also, I will say the big the big thing about this re-release is that they gave it modern controls. Yeah, uh, they had like pseudo tank controls for 2002. And I was just playing like a ROM of it on my st- on my Steam Deck, and I was just like, "Holy fuck, this is impossible to play!" Like, I, I just yeah. can't wrap my head around tank controls anymore. I don't know. I kind of miss tank controls for certain things. Like, I don't know. It's in Resident Evil Two, I think. I think you can still play with pseudo tank controls. Yeah. I don't know specifically for Resident Evil, which like that was another series that I was really into around the same time as this, but like, um. I don't know the limitation on what you were able to do physically, like ratcheted up the tension even more because it's like, uh, you know, fixed camera angles and oh, I'm going to go around that corner. There's going to be a zombie right there. It's going to take me at least three seconds to fully react to it. So like, I don't know. But that's me, uh, a boomer. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. So yeah, uh, I'm playing through that. Uh, hopefully I'll beat it soon so I can finally have said I beat it. Uh, I'm looking at the chronology for the Metroid story, and it goes, the Metroid manga series, Metroid Zero Mission, then Prime mm-hmm. Hunters, Prime 2 Echoes, Prime yep. 3 Corruption, Prime Federation Force, Return of Samus, or Samus Returns, Super Metroid, Other M, Metroid Fusion, Dread. Yeah, the uh, Metroid canon is a fucking wild thing. But yeah, uh, Prime happens before every Metroid game except the first one. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, What's I mean, it's no Legend of Zelda canon. Yeah, Um, that's another thing. 
a lot of people are talking about this, uh, you know, because we got along with the announcement of Metroid Prime. There, like there was a new trailer for the sequel to Breath of the Wild, which was like my favorite game for like fucking. I don't know. It's probably like the best game I've played in like 10 years. Um, but that's just this reporter's opinion. But like the sequel to it. Uh, like they're making a direct sequel. Yep. And like. Have said basically nothing about it. Except for a few small teaser trailers, because like they wouldn't even give us the name of it for a long time, because it's like the name could be a spoiler uh, for what the game's about. And then they said what the name of it is. And it's like, I still know nothing about this. It's Tears of the Kingdom. And it's like, what but, the fuck uh, is that? But like. It seems to allude heavily to like Skyward Sword, which is the first game in the Zelda canon in which like. The the capital E evil, uh, like the demon of the Zelda universe demise was. uh, Famously defeated and trapped in the master sword, but like cursed Link to be like, hey, I'm going to return in every era and like whoever like whatever descendants that have the blood of the goddess and the soul of the hero are going to like be locked in conflict with me for all of eternity. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. And that like, that is what led to Ganon being created. Cause like Ganon is the resurrection of like demises evil in each generation to like fight with Link and Zelda. Cause like the Zelda timeline literally covers like tens of thousands of years. It's so, like you can mine it infinitely. And also like with relative few exceptions, like the link that you play as is not the same literal human being, but like a resurrected well, form of him. He's also not a human being. He's a something. Well, he's a Hylian, but um, Hylians are people. But uh, I don't know, like, in the little bit of trailer we did see, like we see the master sword shattered and it's like breath of the wild is supposed to take place at the end of the Zelda timeline. So like this takes place immediately after. So like not a lot of people have said anything about it, but it's like, is, you know, like the, the actual big bad who, created ganon like the well-known villain like is demise just back uh is this i don't know like the one theory i heard about is like it's setting up like a time loop where it's like kind of cyclical like they because like the sky islands from skyward sword are like in the trailer and stuff and like you're jumping around between sky islands and the i don't know not enough people are talking about this I'm sure there's plenty of people talking about it. It's just nobody you know is talking Pe- about Pepe Sylvia, which is likely just Pennsylvania. Why he sees it on all the envelopes. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. Thank you for listening to our video game show. Yeah, we talked enough about this shit. Uh, it's time. Uh, let's get to the show proper and talk about what's our swill. Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans! Stay away from the cans! As I turn my hat to the side. Yeah, it looks cool. You look like 
Jazzy Jeff. All right, so what you got? Uh, Yingling, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, speaking of fine, I have, again, the Raleigh Brewing Company's Holiday Bash Spiced Winter Warmer. Uh, this is... I think I got this, like, right before Christmas. And uh, I still have four of them left. I've drank now three of them on the show. So, yeah. Uh, I just want this out of my fridge, so I'm drinking it. Yeah. There's no other reason I have it. <laughs> well, okay, then. Yeah. All right. With that, let's move into news. Oh, shit. It's mail time. We got news on more sharing shit. Yeah. Uh, highlights. Uh, for the most part, this is exactly what was shared shared last week uh, and, and was immediately revoked. Uh, it's it's just been revoked. <laughs> Diplomatic immunity. So uh, first and foremost, we have uh, paid sharing is being tested in Canada, Portugal, Spain, and New Zealand. Those are like larger-ish areas uh, that have in theory, more customers to Netflix than, uh, you know, the Latin America areas, mm-hmm. but also not enough to like truly affect Netflix in any way, shape or form in terms of its overall customer base. Yeah. And they're, they're all areas that are like connected to and in close proximity to like other main markets of theirs. Yep. So like they've got a, a foothold, in North America, Europe, and Oceania. Yep. Uh, interested to see when this hits the Asian market, because that'll be interesting to see what the fuck happens. Although I don't, I, I feel like with the Asian market, they have this mobile only plan that this is clearly not going to apply to because there's only a mobile, like you can't watch it through like Wi-Fi data. You have to use your cellular data. Mm hmm. So that's I don't think that's going to matter in that area quite as much. I feel like people just move to that plan. Uh, also, when does that plan come to Netflix to the everywhere else? I feel like that would actually be a boon. But hey, that's just this guy's opinion. Uh, so they Netflix put out prices for each of the paid sharing things. And I did some quick math. And by quick math, I mean, I went to you, a, you said uh, two plus two. That's three minus one. That's or nah, I already fucked it up. You, you, you already fucked up quick math. Two plus two, that's four minus one, that's three quick maths. Yeah, there we go. So I, I just went to a, con, uh, a currency converter, and basically the prices for the paid sharing ranges anywhere from four to, uh, 450 to 650 uh, USD per person. So uh, I, I bet when this comes to the United States, if it comes to the United States, we'll see how much blowback we get. Uh, $6 is going to be the price. Yeah. Which, again, is below the basic tier. Because it has to be. And uh, this isn't so much news as as it is just like people getting upset. But uh, I've seen on Reddit people upset over the use of the term household. Mainly, it's like parents being like, I have two kids away at college. And Netflix says that my household can use it. But my kids are in my household, even though they're away at college. I'm just like, oh my god, just shut the fuck up. Just just shut just shut up. You know what household means, you're just being obtuse and and trying to flip words into something that they don't mean. Household yeah. actually means resident. Yeah, like the location. physical 
I just uh, I hate uh, it. I hate it so much, man. Like, I just don't want them to do this because I'm so fucking tired of people <laughs> bitching. This this is what the liberals want. Household can mean you know, uh, <laughs> that's nothing. <laughs> fucking hell oh that's good that's good though so yeah um we'll see Uh, people are you know people are saying everyone should cancel their netflix subscription because of this Uh, to which i say let people do whatever they want with their own money like I'm, i'm sorry that you hate this and i hate it too but like get over it Either like get over it. Don't tell people to cancel and cancel on your own and just be like, I am canceling. This is why. And move on. We've, we've talked about this all the time. If you're canceling, cancel. Don't be like, don't waffle around. And be like, I'm thinking about canceling. I want to cancel, but I just haven't. Just fucking cancel it. Who cares? Shut up. Move on. Yeah. That, like show Netflix. You don't want this by canceling and shut the fuck up and leave me alone. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for coming to my TED talk about how to behave on the internet. All right. Uh, next up, Showtime's Ripley limited series is moving to Netflix. The series is based on Patricia Highsmith's Tom Ripley books, and unfortunately, not the Alien movies. Uh, it exists. It stars. Oh God, what's his name? He was in uh, Sherlock as Moriarty, and he's very good in that. Moriarty. It has him. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued by this. Uh, we'll see a trailer soonish, I guess. I don't know. I think they shot it. I don't know. All right. I know nothing about it. That's fine. There's really not much to know about it. I just know like there are there are famous actors attached to it, and it moved from Showtime to Netflix. Speaking of things shifting between platforms. Uh, Showtime, I guess they did a swap. Showtime picked up season two of Neil Patrick Harris's Uncoupled series. Uh, sixth time that a new streamer has picked up a show that was originally on Netflix after a cancellation. Uh, hashtag save Uncoupled. I don't know. It, this is a weird. I guess it makes sense like. Um, that you would want to. Pick up a show that already has like a built-in like user base but like it's a weird artifact of the streaming era that like in order to watch a whole series you have to like juggle multiple like subscriptions and like you know what i mean yeah like it's like i want to watch this therefore like i'm gonna give business to your competitor I don't know. Yeah, uh, the big thing with this was that Uncoupled is an MTV Network production, and MTV Networks is a subsidiary of Paramount, which owns Showtime. So, like, it's going back to that whole licensing thing with Netflix, where, like, how many originals, you know, the the quote-unquote originals, how many does Netflix actually own? Uh, it's not a lot. Uh, it's it's not as many as you think it is. And uh, this was another one of them where Netflix licensed it out and uh, canceled it. And so now a the original network is going back and being like, hey, we want this for some reason. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, it exists. This happened. Uh, you you brought it up, and somebody said this on Reddit, but like basically, Netflix and Showtime traded Ripley and uncoupled, which is uh, intriguing. Yeah. So there it is. Um, it's the it's the one that got away. Mm-hmm. I guess. I don't know. For my part, I thought Uncoupled wrapped up nicely. Didn't really need a continuation, but I'm glad that they got one. So yeah, good for them. Well, uh, that'll bring us over to downstream, where we'll talk about some trailers. Baby, I can't control the internet. Right, our first trailer today is for Full Swing. Uh, 2022 was anything but par for the course for the PGA Tour. Eh? Eh? Hey, uh, I get it. From the creators of Drive to Survive, Full Swing gives you an exclusive look at the most unprecedented season of professional golf. With off-course access to some of today's greatest players, this series takes you inside the minds of the players as they work to build their legacy and in some way the choice of leaving the tour uh, for the newly formed Live League, uh, follow top pros across the relentless season of competition and turmoil. Witness the intense pressure uh, at each of the four major tournaments and experience how a single shot can make the difference in a single week, season, or career. Uh, the immersive documentary series follows a diverse group of professional golfers on and off the course uh, across a relentless season of competition. Uh, it's golf. If you care about golf, you can watch it. Yeah, it's the drive like it's the drive to survive team. So like that's at least notable because people say how good drive to survive is for F1, at least in the US or whatever. Uh, although there has been shown to be no real evidence that drive to survive has influenced any kind of market shift for popularity of F1. Uh, it's mainly just been the promotional coverage from uh espn towards f1 so yeah you're only like you're likely only watching this because either you like drive to survive uh or you're a golf fan and you want to learn more about these particular golfers who all seem relatively middling in their careers so you probably don't even know who they are yeah i don't know i don't know how much golf fans know about golf people. So I can't make a judgment call. Yeah, I don't know either. It exists. That's the only reason we're talking about it. God, I've had people try to get me into golf and like just the concept of it. And I'm like, just don't care. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, uh, golf sucks. Golf sucks. Uh, I was a caddy. Golf sucks. I'm sorry. Uh, there's no, there's nothing fun about spending five hours hunting down a ball because you can't hit it. <laughs> I think every time I've met somebody and they told me that they were really into golf, I just looked at them and was like, oh, how sad your life must be. <laughs> oh, well. No. Good for you if you like golf. I'm happy for you. Uh Next trailer is for African Queens in Jinga. From executive producer Jada Pinkett Smith comes a new documentary series exploring the lives of prominent and, and iconic African Queens. Uh, the first season will cover the life of Njinga. Not sure if I'm saying that correctly, but I'm trying to mimic the pronunciation they use in the trailer. 
the complex, captivating, and fearless 17th century warrior queen of the Ndongo and Matemba in modern-day Angola. Uh, the nation's first female ruler, Njinga, earned the reputation for her blend of political and diplomatic skill with military prowess and became an icon of resistance. This looks pretty good. Um, I don't know. I feel like people are going to kind of dismiss it because it's Jada Pinkett Smith. And like, if they say anything bad about it, Will Smith's going to come and slap them. But (laughs) I don't know. It, it actually looks pretty good. I think it's interesting that they call it a documentary and then clearly have some like significant dramatized portions of it. Yeah. It's, Seems weird because, like, I was going to talk about this too. It's like, you remember that pirate thing we watched about like the history of pirates and they had like dramatic reenactments of pirates? Yeah. And it's like, it looks like they were trying to make, you know, like a narrative show. And then they were real, they realized, like, you know, our, our historic reenactment is just kind of like, trying to get the facts across. So like, we just have to put narrate. I don't know. Like, yeah. I don't know. It might be like a chicken or egg thing, but like, if yeah, it feels like one of those, it feels like a Viking scenario where they were doing like a Vikings like show. And then they were just like, uh, this isn't that interesting or great. Let's just do something else. And then decide to pivot towards like documentary ish with like, inserts of people talking about historical fact i don't know it looks uh it looks pretty good for what it is i um i might watch it so that will smith doesn't beat me up yeah it looks it looks good enough it's definitely why it definitely looks watchable i'll say that i don't know if the will smith slap gate thing is like in any way still culturally relevant it's, it's but still relevant it's uh it's what i me- immediately think of whenever i see or hear about Will and Jada. If the host of the Oscars this year does not mention it again and being like, all right, let's all be nice to each other. So no one gets slapped. uh, (laughs) Then they will have failed. Will Smith is, um, a good dude though. I don't think I could defend somebody else's girl like that. Uh huh. <laughs> Christ. It's, be- it's because he's a cuckold. <laughs> oh my God. All right. Uh, let's pull the fucking ripcord and get away into something else, uh, which is another trailer, which is called The Law According to Lydia Poet. Uh, the Law According to Lydia Poet is an- inspired by a true story that of the first lawyer in Italy. Uh, I'm sure that they mean the first female lawyer in Italy. Wait, what? I didn't even um, read that. That says just lawyer? What? Yeah. Single female lawyer having lots of sex. That's from Futurama. First first lawyer in Italy uh, of the daily injustices for which she fought. Uh, probably against, not for. Who wrote this? Was this like Google Translate? This looks back like a Google Translate time? if I've ever seen it. Uh and her fierce defense of the innocent of the studies and investigations to discover the truth in the revolution that has taken place in the world of jurisprudence. Thanks to her. That's a $5 word. Uh, in this gripping period drama, Lydia Poe investigates murders while fighting to practice law inspired by the true story of Italy's first female lawyer. There it is. They got it. They got it there. 
Somebody actually looked at that yeah. one. At least they stuck the landing. Um, yeah, I don't know. This is a period piece about a strong woman who's sexually independent. Um, therefore, I'm both glad that it exists and have no interest in it. This is for me. Like this is this is a me show if I've ever seen one. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. You're more into that thing than me. You know. Yep. That's true. I am. So. <sighs> yeah. I I know like I'm I'm into this this that's why I wanted like I I watched the trailer I was like huh let me get Caleb's opinion on this and uh, I knew he was gonna be nonplussed he's gonna be like eh, whatever and I was gonna eat it up because this is my shit yeah I don't know. it's one of those things like I'm sure I would like it if I watched it but like I don't know just the concept of this type of show does nothing for me like give me some like spaceships and like laser beams and like some big butts and dicks and abs and shit like something visually to you know like really you know uh some horny stuff yeah that's fair i don't know there does appear to be like a decent amount of fucking in this show so oh there there's plenty of fucking that's, in this uh, show you know just it's just me doing some japes sure jungle yes god that was a true test of friendship whenever, like, somebody picked Jungle Japes as the stage on Smash Brothers. He knew some shit was about to go down and, like, a controller or friendship was going to be destroyed. See, when we played Smash, it was always random. And uh, anytime, anytime you got hit by, like, a thing going down the river, the, the, the response would always be the goddamn Japes. Yeah, goddamn Japes. Because the level's the worst. It's the worst. Uh, the platform's too close together and far, just far enough apart. And there's this under area where there's fucking barrels and fish that the fish <laughs> jump up and fucking bite you when you're on a lower platform and fucking knock you off when you're at 100% damage. Man, we're really like fixating on Nintendo games this week. Nintendo sent me free stuff. You, you sent Justin Roiland free stuff. Why not us? Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Will you send me free stuff if I strike my wife? No, don't. Nah, we can't do that. Remember when they did a whole bit about the fucking Legend of Zelda Nintendo 3DSs? And about how they would resell them on the market for oh, a markup? Yeah. yeah, that's true. What a fucking We all time. get to keep one. We all, we all get to play Nintendo games. Nintendo, send me free stuff. Uh, Fantastic. <laughs> fucking fantastic shit uh too bad he's a piece of garbage yeah did you watch that fucking video i sent you of how, like how horrible the life must be for the casting director of rick and morty right now because it's oh, just it's people unsolicited like a bunch of guys like work. us just sending him oh i'm, oh, I'm rick oh Oh jeez! Really you gotta recast Justin. He wants to fucking listen to all of it. <laughs> oh, hey, shit. casting director, I can be a really good Rick. Listen to me. Oh, oh, oh no. I can come from oh, command oh, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Has hey. 
You feel like this hasn't been very funny. I think it's been extremely funny. <laughs> I just want to point out, Nick's been posting uh, old old uh, live stream for the cure stuff on the live stream for the cure YouTube channel, and uh, we were doing a fucking dumbass bit like this too. So don't worry, it's it's, <laughs> it's never changed. Uh shit. Do you think that our audience is just like people with a high pain tolerance who like sit through it to get to the whatever nuggets of information we have? Or do you think that like our audience is comprised of sick bastards who actually like this? Yes. Cool. All right. Uh, the last trailer is for Luther colon the fallen sun In Luther colon the fallen sun, an epic continuation of the award-winning television saga reimagined for film. A gruesome serial killer is terrorizing London while brilliant, but disgraced detective John Luther Idris Elba sits behind bars haunted by his failure to capture the cyber psychopath who now taunts him. Luther decides to break out of prison and finish the job by any means necessary. Uh, Cyber psycho, you say? Yeah. Haunted by an unsolved murder, brilliant but disgraced London police detective John Luther breaks out of prison to hunt down sadistic serial killer. I wonder if the cyber psycho is going to zero some corpo. Yeah. I wonder what mods he has to his net deck. I don't know. This is a film continuation of a series I've never heard of. Wait, what? Yeah. Oh. What the fuck's Luther? I don't know. Oh yeah, I I think it's great. I like this series a lot. Now now I've only seen up to like the end of season two before, so like I don't know where the fuck we are. But it's a relatively short series. It's on Hulu right now because Netflix uh, is in the market of releasing continuations of shit they don't own. Okay. It's it's twenty episodes. They're all about an hour apiece. So. I have homework to do to rewatch the whole fucking series before the movie comes out in a month. Okay. Well, now I know. Good. Uh, I will say, it feels more like an action movie than a, an actual Luther episode. Because Luther, as a show, is just like a detective show. Like, he's just there solving crimes. Like, there are action beats, of course, where he's chasing down a, a dude and then fucking... Uh, actually, in the, fir- the first episode, he's chasing down uh, a child kidnapper and potential pedophile. I remember this guy was a pedophile, but uh, he's chasing him in an abandoned factory and he grabs onto him until uh, and he's holding him over a ledge being like, I will drop you unless you tell me where this fucking little girl is. And he tells he tells them uh, where the little girl is and he fucking drops him anyway. So he's a loose cannon cop who doesn't play by the rules. And he's uh, under investigation because he dropped the pedophile. Uh, To which I say, uh, I wish the cops would drop more pedophiles from great heights. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I have a sort of a general problem with extrajudicial, like, killing or, you know... I don't know. The guy's alive, by the way. But yeah, like he's in a coma. You know, if we if we can prove that somebody is a pedophile in a court of law, we should totally drop them off of a roof. Yeah, I agree. Pedophiles don't deserve uh, human, human rights. Yeah. Well, all right. I don't know how to pivot away from this, so <laughs> uh, let's get into some quick hits. Uh, 
Dan, I don't think I really watched anything noteworthy or mentionable this week because I um, was in a depression spiral and played a lot of Pokemon. That's fair. Uh, I watched a bit more of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I got through. Where did I leave off, leave off at? I think I left off at right before Oingo Boingo. Watched Oingo Boingo. And now I left off at uh, part two. Uh, I, I have to watch part two of Whole Horse and Boingo. God, I wish that I never had to stop listening to the fucking Oingo Boingo theme music. I know. Because for a few episodes true. during that series, like it just becomes this magical thing that like is so special and I just love it and want to protect it. It's so weird. It's just such a weird part of the show. And it's fine. Like I, I appreciate it for being a weird part of the show. But yeah, uh, I will say, I think I think I found the best episode of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure Stardust Crusaders. And it's the two parter with Darby Elder. I like that one a lot. And the reason I say that is because it requires Jotaro to do something other than punch things really fast. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because that's Jotaro's character is basically like, I'm going to be so I'm going to become so angry that I overwhelm you with sheer force. But like, he is actually pretty clever when it comes right down to it. Yeah. And uh, the his, his final gambit is whenever he. Uh, he is he has this bet with he's gambling his soul with Darby and Darby's like. Ah, I've I've fucking put everything against this man. The dealers, the dealers with me. Everything's with me. I have four fucking kings, and Jotaro's just sitting there being like, "Yeah, you've dumped me cards. I'm not looking at them, and I'm going to raise a bunch of fucking chips of other people's souls in yeah. order to win the win the contest." Yeah. I don't know. It's it's interesting because he figures out like the one thing that he's not willing to gamble on. So exactly. Uh, so, yeah, it shows Jotaro is more than just like punchy dude who can eventually stop time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's it. It's all, uh, it's all I want to talk about was uh, just the Darby episode. I want to watch like a super cut of all of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure where like anytime any character is talking about what they're special power is Jotaro shows up and says, Oh, so it's the same type of stand as star platinum. You know, he just talks to all the Jojos and they're like, Oh, it just punches real good. Oh, okay. I know about that. You yell, you yell things as you're punching things. Interesting, man. If they ever animate fucking part seven, eight, nine, whatever the fuck, like you're going to see some serious shit. Some of the powers and abilities are fucking absurd. Like I want to, I want it to happen so that I can explain soft and wet to you. Cause it's, I don't know. Everything's fucking crazy. I'll just save it for a fucking anime April. We'll watch that one week. Uh, I will say, or whenever it comes out basically, cause I'm kind of invested in this show now where, Wherever a finale comes out, I'll just be like, yeah, sure. Uh, but I mean, what's what's this? What's that animation studio's name that's behind it? Uh, David Productions. David Productions. So like it took them forever to fucking even do uh, season six or season five. 
Yeah, season five, because it was part six. Uh, it took them forever to do season five, so uh, who the fuck knows when they're going to get into this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to talk about it, but like in part seven, there's a stand called Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap. And of course, they don't want to get sued, so they have to localize it. So they uh, they shortened it to D4C because it's like Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap, four Ds and a C. So D4C. But then like they further... Like in different like games and things, they like localized it differently. So like D4C became Dimes for Crimes. Uh, but then like they also tried to make it more in the spirit of the original, but like wacky because Jojo. So they it was at one time localized as filthy acts at a reasonable price. <laughs> um, <laughs> I really want them to like whenever they animate it, I want them to localize it as $20 is $20. <laughs> That'd be pretty great. I would love it a lot. I don't know. We gay, missed, we $20. missed out a, on flaccid pancake instead of limp biscuit. So please give it to me. Why not flaccid cracker? Hmm. Soggy biscuit. Soggy biscuit. <laughs> Okie cookie. Uh, this gross. These are jokes about things that men games, men play with their ejaculate in college. Apparently I never did that. Moving on from that <laughs> and, and nut collectors, uh, let's cut into a quick break. And when we come back from that break, we will talk about our main review topic for the week. Your place or mine. Shalom, my homies. This is Dan from Netflix and swill. Every year, Gerald from two piece puts on his personal movie awards affectionately called the Golden Peas, honoring the previous year in film. This year will be the first year as a YouTube broadcast, and we'll have special guest presenters giving out awards in seven movie categories, including Best Movie, Best Female Performance, and Best Horror Movie, just to name a few. And the best part about all of this is that the winners are voted on and chosen by you. These awards are 100% based on your participation and votes. Please help me share and promote the Golden Peas leading up to the event, and don't forget to cast your ballot this year. Head over to twopeasonapod.com slash goldenpeas to see the list of nominees and cast your votes. And then be sure to tune in on Monday, March 13th at 9.30 p.m. Eastern to see the winners revealed live on YouTube. We will have some fantastic special guests, and Gerald will be joined by co-host, the god of podcasting himself, Loisos. We hope you join us this year to once again celebrate our shared love of the movies. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it's time to get into our main review topic for the week. Your place or mine? Your place or mine is a romantic comedy movie. It's PG-13 uh, for, you know, sexual situations and alcohol, I guess. Uh it's a 5.7 out of 10 on IMDb. Two long-distance best friends change each other's lives when she decides to pursue a lifelong dream and he volunteers to keep an eye on her teenage son. Uh, this is written and directed by Aline Brosh McKenna. Uh, oh, God, I wrote and directed it. Um, <laughs> stars Reese Witherspoon, Ashton Kutcher. Uh, we've also got uh, Steve Zahn and Tig Notaro here. Uh, Zoe Chow, Jesse Williams, and Wesley Kimmel. Any relation to Jimmy? 
James. I would assume he is a, re- a relative yes. of James Kimmel. He is the nephew of late night talk show host Jimmy Kimmel. Great. Yeah. Must be why he's not very funny. I also don't think he's supposed to be funny, but hey, that's just a yeah. different thing. He's just a kid. Yeah. I can't dunk on him too hard because the adults are doing all of the stupid things. Um, <laughs> I don't know what you think about this movie. Uh, this movie sucks. This movie sucks a lot. It's just so bad. There's no chemistry between Ashton Kutcher and Reese Witherspoon, and they never share the screen together. Ex- or like uh, They're never in the same physical space until the end of the movie, which is aggravating. Yeah, I don't know. This... Uh... It feels like one of those movies that was shot during COVID and you have to keep everybody away from each other. Like the one believable thing with the two of them is like at the end of it, when they actually are in the same physical space and they're screaming at each other, I was like, oh, that seems believable that they're yelling. They were just, they're just yelling in the middle of the airport. My favorite <laughs> uh, during that sequence where they're yelling at each other in the middle of the airport is there's just some old dude who's looking at them and just quickly like turns and says like, not my problem. And just fucking walks away as fast as possible. Yep. Uh, it was hilarious. It was relatable. I loved that part. Uh, the rest of the movie, not so much. Yeah. I don't know. It's uh fairly paint by numbers. It, you know, hits all the beats of a movie of this type. Yes. So it's like, oh, they were, you know, they fell in love with each other the night they first met, but uh, Ashton Kutcher didn't go for it because he's a sad boy. And then Reese Witherspoon went on to have a life. Yeah. It's like, what if you got the one that got away 20 years later? Uh, you know, you can be an emotionally absent incel your whole life and still get the girl. I mean, he's not an incel. He's, he's not. A, he's not an incel, but he definitely uh, dicks down plenty of women. But like, he's an emotional, uh, you know, he's closed off. Yes. Yes. That agree. That I agree with. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. There's mm, this movie's just painful to watch, honestly, because like its main problem is that there's no chemistry between the two and they're supposedly have been lifelong friends, like 20 friends for 20 years and they don't fucking talk like it. Like Mm -hmm. their, their conversations feel like I have a checklist to go through when I talk to you and, Oh, we've completed the checklist and now I'm going to fuck off and go away forever. Yeah. And it's just like, Oh, we don't keep secrets from each other. And then it dives deeply into all of the secrets that they keep from each other. I hear the <coughs> secrets that you keep when you're talking in your sleep. Yes. Remember that classic song? Yeah, I remember that. Uh, I was around in the 80s. Um, I don't know. The best parts of this movie are the the side characters. Uh, yes, like, I just wanted. I just wanted to go on adventures with Zoe Chow and Tignataro. Uh because they're both very good. Um the only other thing with this movie is that like uh cuz like Ashton Kutcher only listens to the cars and always the cars. Uh and I was like, man, 
The Cars had a lot of really good songs. I should listen to them more. Cause like they never repeat the same song and like all of them are all of them are fucking bangers. It's like, man, I didn't realize that like they had so many hits in the eighties. See, I thought what you were going to say was uh with the amount of cars we got, I wish we also got some WAMU and ACDC. <laughs> I was really hoping and I'm so glad I can't I, I was yeah. like oh wait that's the cars that they were fucking talking about in Jojo yeah. uh that's it I did it I've unlocked the secret yeah he's obsessed with ultimate life form cars uh yeah it's a Jojo thing uh it's all we ever talk about or do is that a motherfucking Jojo reference uh I don't know breathing is a Jojo reference so also having an absent father figure is a Jojo reference. So, you know, my <laughs> life. That's that's actually unfortunately true. <laughs> so the final thing that I really want to talk about, and it's probably the most uh, Dan thing I could talk about, and you probably already know what it is based off of me saying that. But uh, so there's some hockey played in this in this movie. Yeah. And uh, I am here to critique the hockey play of the movie. Yeah, it was done the not professionals. All all that really happens is like the kid gets to, you know. Charge up and down the ice and do whatever he wants unimpeded and then get slammed into the boards. Ye- uh, yes, that's exactly what happens. It turns out he's super <laughs> talented at hockey and then just gets hit from behind by some dirty player kid who the coach should have immediately thrown off the team for doing such a play because that is extremely dangerous and uh, moved on from there. Yeah. So the, the couple times we see the kid play hockey, uh, he does a little warm up thing where he puts like the puck between the skates. I'm like, okay, so he can play. Uh, interesting. Uh, the, the time where he plays the actual hockey in the tryouts, he's just standing there at his own defensive blue line to receive an outlet pass from his defenseman. And I'm just yelling at the screen. Why aren't your feet moving? Like, like you shouldn't be standing still at the fucking blue line. You should be moving so that way you have some momentum going into the offensive zone so you can actually dangle all these people that you're better than. Like, you got, you still got the intended result, but, like, you could have done it so much easier and faster, and I'm just, like, fucking losing my mind watching this. <laughs> uh, and then, as he's char- the the second time, which is when he's getting hurt, uh, he's charging up the ice. He's on the right-wing defensive zone, and there's a kid on the other team who just kind of lets him walk around him for no fucking reason. And uh, he's a left-handed shot and a left-handed shot in the defensive zone has to, on the right side of the zone, carry on their backhand. So at no point does the kid who's forechecking force him to move to his backhand to make it awkward for him to try to escape from the zone and just lets him do it. I was so mad the whole time watching this. I'm like, these are all easily coachable things. What? Where's the coach for this? Why isn't the coach doing anything? I'm sorry, but I'm very passionate <laughs> about like good hockey play, and that's just awful hockey play. Yeah, we want we want good hockey representation in movies because uh, hockey is life. That's true. So yeah, uh, that's all I have to say about that. Uh, I will now sh- shut the fuck up about hockey and Moon Men. I don't know. IMDb like auto plays videos with the sound off whenever you're like just on a page. 
so it was showing me this interview that I guess IMDb did with Reese Witherspoon and Ashton Kutcher. And it's like, oh, we met at a Kenny Chesney concert. And, you know, I was like, you don't like country music. And she was like, I'm from Nashville. And he's like, I'm from Iowa. And it's like, why are we having this conversation? <laughs> uh, yeah, that that's that just seems like fucking rich people just talking to each other yeah. being like, oh, you're you're in a place where not rich people would be. Yeah. So anyway, I was backstage at Kenny Chesney concert uh, doing lines of coke with his bassist when all of a sudden Reese Witherspoon walked into the room. Man, what the fuck ever? Uh, well, how do you know Reese Witherspoon wasn't the one doing lines of coke with the bassist? Reese Witherspoon does not seem like the kind of person that hangs out with the bassist. I don't know. Um <laughs> I think it's a thing in music that, like, you know, the pretty girl will hang out with the bassist as an in to get with the rest of the band while being not interested in him because he's a fucking bassist. Yeah, it's true. Bassists are lame. Uh, this comes from a bassist. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I'm done talking about this movie. It, it, it was um bad. It's a bad movie. Uh I'm not ready to call it one of Netflix's worst of 2023, but like, boy, did I just not enjoy myself watching this movie at all. That's the thing. Like, it's inoffensive, but it's not good. Yeah. Um, Also, like, I like Steve Zahn, but like, he's always so fucking weird in movies when he's there. Like, I don't know. Like, he's... The weird neighbor who, like, takes care of Reese Witherspoon's garden for free. And uh, he's like, yeah, and, like, someday if I'm around enough, she'll probably want to fuck me. But then it's like, he's like, I don't know. He insinuates that him and Reese Witherspoon fucking got it on. And I'm like, no, you didn't. He's like, no, no, we didn't. But me and a buddy of mine. Nope. No, they didn't. Like, it has that kind of energy. Yeah. That Veronica Vaughn is one piece of ace. Well, it, it, I, the, I think only that that sequence was just to kick, like, give Ashton Kutcher a kick in the pants to be like, oh, I should make moves. I shouldn't yeah. stand around because, I mean, if Steve Zahn's getting a piece of ass, maybe Holy I shit. should too. Now I'm just browsing IMDb. How the fuck did I not know that Steve Zahn was Bad Ape in War for the Planet of the Apes? Oh, I don't know. I love that movie. Sure. I never would have I never would have guessed. Like I don't really I don't know. I don't pick up on voice actors the way you do a lot of times. That's true. Also, uh I haven't seen enough Steve Zahn stuff to probably pick out Steve Zahn in a voice lineup. So see, I just I know him from Saving Silverman, which was like one of my favorite movies in high school. Sure. Uh, It's about the pie fucker uh, and he's with a woman who's like, you know, wants to control every aspect of his life. Uh And I think that, uh, you know. It may have affected my sexual development. Because, you know, powerful women. Sure. Uh, Which is a great segue. And if you don't use it, I'm going to jump off of a bridge. I was going to use that as a segue, but also we need to rate this movie. So. Ah, shit. Um, I don't know. Like I said, it's 
it's inoffensive and fine and you know a paint by numbers romantic comedy movie that I don't care about um but it's fine for people who do so I'll say two and a half I'm going flat two yeah it seems right yeah all right uh speaking of powerful women it's time to move into our second review topic and you found this fucking movie because you're you I don't know how the fuck you found it but you did and I'm proud of you just it browsing is- <laughs> love and leashes yeah uh, Love and Leashes is another romantic comedy, so uh, you're welcome for your Valentine's Day treat. Um, so 6.3 out of 10 on IMDb. Love never hurts so good for two co-workers who enter a contractual relationship as partners in consensual play, pleasure, and pain. Uh, this is written and directed by Hyunjin Park. Uh, it's a Korean movie, kind of in the vein of Fifty Shades, except, uh, you know, I think this movie's kind of good. Uh, it does things kind of good like i i don't know it gives you like i think you know i'm not part of the community but like what i would think of as like a fairly accurate representation of the bdsm community uh and shows you know a relationship between people that care about each other and like they don't just like we're gonna fucking beat each other up it's like we're no, we're gonna do play rough, and then I'm gonna give you appropriate aftercare. Yeah, which it's which, uh, it's very good that the movie showed me that. Well, good. What did you think? It's it's okay. I enjoy parts of it. There there's some very very cringy shit. Yeah. Like when he starts fucking acting like a dog, I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to find the tallest building around me and jump off from all the cringe I was experiencing. But yeah, uh, it's two hours, which uh, I didn't realize we were in that era of romantic comedy where they should be longer than 90 minutes. But here we are. And uh, yeah, it's fine. Uh Whatever. I don't know. I don't I don't I I also don't have too much to say about this. Like, yeah, it's it's probably a good representation uh, or like a better representation of the community than fucking Fifty Shades, because Fifty Shades just seems like it uses it because uh, it's a weird thing to that be pro- they can, provocative. Yeah. Yeah. And they can build their own mythology around it. So so at least I respect it from the craft point of like, hey, we're going to show a respectful version of this that isn't just a man beating the shit out of a woman. There are some good shots, I will say, like uh, there's some good cinematography to this that like actually looked like the cinematographer was auditioning for an actual movie about things versus this movie where it's just like, hey, it's two people who uh uh, one guy likes to get choked sometimes and be stepped on, and uh, my God, yeah. it, it, it is is the fucking stunt back that they used for whoever in this movie uh, beaten to shit. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't like a good pinch and tickle every now and then? Eh, that's fair. What did you think? Doesn't go into like crazy kinky sex stuff like they actually don't even have sex like it's all about like the power dynamic because you know sometimes people just want to like have their feet worshipped in a non-sexy way sure (laughs) 
<laughs> and I'm just going to leave it there. Uh, I thought this movie was decent to good. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know. I, I kind of half expected more cringe shit, like like cringes in like bad cringe, bad shit, but it never happened. And I'm kind of OK with that. Like. It it handled, like you said, it handled the whole BDSM thing, like respectfully, it was like here we have set our limits. These are like these are our contractual limits. Uh, here's our safe word, like like and we're actually going to respect all of these things and also respect boundaries, mm-hmm. although at one point. They're uh, chilling at the office and she's just like, all right, let's fuck around for a bit. And he's like, cool, thanks, bro. Uh, This is a weird, weird dynamic to add to the whole thing. But still, uh, that's the the one thing like the power dynamic of it, like. Bleeds into the workplace somewhat like they stay professional in their actual job duties, but then they'll be like. Uh, let's get away from work for five minutes and go to the break room and I'll hit you with your belt. Like I said, I think, I think that like the, the power dynamic of the relationship was represented pretty well. Like, um, you know, he's, he's submissive to her, but like, he's never just like a doormat, even though he does get stepped on. Um, you know, like he has his own. Like the movie cares about him as a character. Like he's not just like a fucking punching bag or whatever. And like the powerful female character takes the spotlight. Like his, his needs and desires are considered at all points. And that's good. Uh, Along those lines, like it goes along with kind of, it might be a like cliche, but like he is an assistant manager. Like he has power at work and mm-hmm. so therefore because of that because of that it potentially leads into or leans into him being like you know i want to release from that like i don't want to be like the all-powerful guy at work all the time i want to also you know occasionally be whipped in the back and have yeah. my back bleed for some reason but like beyond that like he had been in a relationship with somebody who didn't accept him for who he was and like that fucked him up. So like a plot point of the movie is him learning to open himself back up to something beyond just like, you know, indulging his kink. Right. So I don't think we should date. Well, and I I feel like there's parts of the movie where it doesn't really explain that too well. Like it it got very confusing whenever, uh, Hannah just shows up randomly Uh like into his house and starts breaking his shit. And it's like, are you guys together or not? Like, what's what's actually going on here? Like, were you just lying to her when you're like, oh, no, I'm not in a relationship so I can pursue this, you know, dom sub relationship that we have? I didn't really get that. I I kind of took that as like two people who kind of broke each other that like can't move past it. Ah, OK, that makes sense. Which, uh, you know, I've definitely had that before, so of course. Uh, trying to think I have. I don't think I have. I think I've pretty much uh, done a pretty good job of, uh, well, and not always through my own, but like having a clean break and uh, never really talking to the fucking people again. (laughs) Yeah, in hindsight, that's, uh, you know, the best way to do that. So. It it really is. Uh, Just just ignore them. They're, They're not important. 
All right. Uh, what would you rate Love and Leashes? Uh, uh, this is a great question of 2023. I don't know. Two and half? No, this is better than that. Uh, yeah, three. We'll call, we'll call it a three. Yeah, I'm going to go three and a half. I thought it was pretty good. Well, okay then. Uh, that is this episode of Netflix and Spill. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Next week on the show, uh, we will be reviewing uh, The Glory Part 1. Uh, where It's another Korean show. Uh, it's actually a relatively popular Korean show. It's not like, you know, Squid Game level, but uh, it is performing well in the Netflix top 10 charts. And, you know, I want to give more shots to foreign language stuff. So uh, this says The Glory is af- years after surviving horrific abuse in high school, a woman puts an elaborate revenge scheme in motion to make the perpetrators pay for their crimes. All right. So that is that. Uh, and then on the back half of the episode, we will be, we will be watching a patron requested review for the battered bastards of baseball. Yeah, it's uh, a documentary about Kurt Russell and his team of when he was a minor league baseball player. So. Yeah, uh, you watched this years ago and I haven't watched it, so. Yeah. Uh, perfect time to check it out if you're me and revisit it. If you're you. Yeah. I like baseball and being battered as evidenced by our last review. <laughs> That's true. Uh, thank you to space weather for use of our theme song. Bitter. Uh, we have a website. You can go to it. Netflix.com. If you want to shop, shop for all things, Netflix and swell. I'm slurring my words somehow, despite the fact that I haven't had a beer in like over an hour. Hmm. Don't know what's wrong with me. Uh, but yes, go to uh, at SpaceWeather uh, at SpaceWeatherPA on Twitter or check the show notes for a link, uh, which will send you to their uh, DistroKid site, which is apparently a website where you can pre-save music on your preferred music streaming service. Uh, sure, those are all things that happened. Uh, but yes, new song called Silent Hex coming out on February 24th. I uh, still don't know what video game that attack is from. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Or just, you know, do what I did and search for space weather on Spotify. You could also do that. All right. Uh, so until next week, this is Caleb saying we'll see you next Tuesday. Netflix and Swill is an independent podcast. As such, we believe in the scrappy underdogs of the podcast world. If you're an indie podcast and would like us to run your promo on our show, please contact us. The little guys need to stick together. If you enjoy what we're doing, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and telling a friend. The more we grow, the better the show will be. Thank you for being part of the Netflix and Swill family.